Yeah. Yeah. Consensus. Consensus is there. Rob says get a beer. Igor says get a beer. It's five o'clock. Josh is talking about something that isn't beer. (laughs) We'll talk about that as well. We should talk about stuff that isn't isn't beer related. So I want to get upset if it's just beer or cars or... Or uh, or anything else you discuss on Twitter, if my timeline is anything to go by. Anyway, g'day, good afternoon. It is a Friday afternoon here at four o'clock today. I'm doing this about an hour earlier, so I can finish a bit earlier and go and go and have another beer. <laughs> like it's it's still hot. It's steamy here. For those of you not from this part of the world, it is now. It is August. Yes, we're into August now. No, she's. What am I talking about? Autumn now. I've had that much beer. I'm indicating like one centimetre of beer. Uh, It is into autumn now, but it's still steamy here on the Gold Coast, which is nice, but you're always ready for a change of season every time the season changes on the Gold Coast, I find. Time to get warm, time to get cool. Time to talk about sponsor before we jump into the other things. Sponsor again this week is Collide. Massive thanks to Collide. They have been there uh, almost ubiquitously for 2023 and for a big part of 2022 as well. Clyde Insurers only secure devices can access your cloud apps. It's Device Trust, tailor-made for Okta. Book a demo today. Go and check it out. They do some really, really cool stuff. If your device isn't secure, it can't access, access your apps. Achieving zero trust access designed for Okta works on Mac, Windows. I said Linux last week. You're on your man. <laughs> Windows and Linux. Watch the online video. Now, go and check them out. Big thanks to collide for uh for not just creating some cool tools but helping me run around my house all day and try and do networky stuff which i'm going to talk about a little bit later on when i get to the bit about me just like running out of ip addresses <laughs> that uh that is actually a thing today i've fixed it it was always going to be an easy fix but uh i just thought i'd wait until i really got to the 11th hour with that fritz is here afternoon evening Black for the kitchen. Yes, I will talk about the kitchen in a moment. Mark is in Bris Vegas, which probably needs some explanation for folks from other places, but it is about an hour that way. Not too far away. Fritz ain't some of the warm weather. Brendan's here. G'day, guys. Uh, Now, Fritz says, is it just me? Lots of buffering and hiccups on the stream. Speed test. I believe it's fine. It says excellent condition, condition, connection. Speed test running. I've been getting good speeds lately. 3.21 millisecond ping. Ping is good. Download is 900 something megabits. 932 megabits. That's, that is so close to gigabit. <laughs> and about 300 up. Uh, so, yep, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine for me. You got to do something about your connection there, Fritz. Alan <laughs> says, great explanation, Briz Vegas. All right, everyone else is fine with connection. All right, Fritz knows, it's just him now. John Galloway is there. G'day, John. Uh, that was you on the .NET channel. Okay. Did I... Ma- I'm crossing wires. Anyway, moving on to other things. Where was I? Uh, oh, treble. So, announcement this week, I'm coming to Prague, which I'm really excited about because I've never been to Prague before. Uh, now, when I say I'm coming to Prague. Charlotte and I are coming to Prague. Uh, we will be at Experts Live in Prague in September. Uh, I will be doing a, a keynote. She says Prague is awesome. She's been to Prague 
I think multiple times before. First time for me, never been to the Czech Republic before. Now I'm excited about multiple things in terms of this trip. Number one, going somewhere I haven't been before because I have fewer of those places left <laughs> as each year goes by. So that's a cool one, I haven't been there. Uh, apparently it's really beautiful. So if you've been to Prague before, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. But apparently Prague's really, really beautiful. And I'm also excited because it is the home of Prusa. <laughs> and, and I really want to go and see the folks at Prusa. So hopefully that will be something on the cards as well. I do, I do love me my Prusa. It has been a fantastic machine. Ah, okay. All right, okay, that was John. His uh, uh, connection was smooth. Very good. Back. Better. No more stutter. Fritz. Did, did you reboot it, Fritz? Fritz says, good beer in Prague. Beautiful city, huh? I think I heard it was cheap beer. Maybe it was Croatia. I haven't been to Croatia yet either, so that could be it. Anyway, so we'll be back there. We'll be in a host of other places around Europe as well, uh, including some time in the UK. There'll definitely be a visit to Scott. Uh, I want to make a visit to the McLaren factory now <laughs> because I feel I have a great story about the last time I went there, which I'll tell you one time. I might tell it with Lars Clint because he and I were there together and it was it was a defining moment in a very negative way for them. Anyway, I'll talk about that another time. Fun story. We're going to be in Spain for a bit for a family wedding. We're going to be almost certainly in Oslo and almost certainly in the Netherlands as well. So uh, Charlotte has never been in the Netherlands. I've spent two years living in the Netherlands, so that's just somewhere else we want to go to. So we'll be doing that in September. I think we're flying out the very last day of August or something back a few weeks later. So a good trip coming up there. Uh, so looking forward to Prague. Now, John says, have you already talked about your thoughts for ChatGPT stuff? Interesting seeing OpenAI announcing plugins. Is this the real John Galloway? <laughs> or is this a chat thing? Uh, so, so, fun story, and this would be right up John's alley, but I have read many times about people saying they've been using ChatGPT to generate code snippets. Um, and normally I do what everyone else does and I Google it and I wind up on Stack Overflow and I copy and paste. But I started using ChatGPT to do some fairly routine stuff. It was like uh, you know, make an HTTP request with .NET and add custom headers and you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, and normally you'd, you know basically what that looks like, but you go and Google it and you copy and paste. But this was just like, bam, exactly what I need. Okay, now make it async. Cool. Now put it in a method which does this or that or whatever. And it's just like, bam, 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 bam. So I thought that was really impressive because it was the first time I tried that myself. Hasn't always worked out that way, um, particularly some of the more obscure code things that I asked it to do. I think what's really fascinating about it on the infosec side is I keep hearing these questions and in fact I heard this question the other day I did a, a, a keynote at the Association of Superannuation Funds Australia which is basically like our retirement funds which is not the sort of place I'd normally get invited to do a keynote but they want a cyber so okay we cybered and there was a question from the audience about AI helping us defend better and I was like, yeah, like it, it, it totally can. We used to begin by calling it user behavioral analytics. And if we saw deviations from norms, which we did with code, then that was that was something which, which triggered an event. Uh, and it was great. And that's, I think, a very rudimentary example. And then, of course, we're getting more and more intelligence in it. And then I sort of said to him, it's like, you know, everyone gets it right. Like we get it, the good guys, and then the bad guys get it too. So imagine how good spammers can be when they can actually construct a sentence in a grammatically correct fashion and it sounds compelling. 
right? So I think it's going to be really good fun. I, I am surprised at just how much traction it's getting and seeing, um, I forget whose tweet it was I was seeing just today about that plug-in ecosystem. I think it's really cool. I think it's going to change a lot of things, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, speaking about people getting upset on the internet, we were there, weren't we? I am crowdsourcing some code that ChatGPT alone I don't think can write. Let me give you some background. I get a lot of data breaches. So nine times out of ten, a data breach is a text file. One or more text files, either literally a .txt extension or a .sql extension because it's insert statements because it's a... It's a um, SQL map dump from a MySQL database or something. Uh, or they're CSVs or something very easily parsable where you can just pick this file up and say, give me the email addresses. And for the last almost decade, because Have I Been Pwned started in December 2013, for the last almost decade, I've had a very rudimentary .NET console app, which would literally just take in a few arguments, things like the path of the source files and then where I want the output dumped, and it would pretty much just regex the data out. So to go through and go, okay, email address, here's a regex for an email address, go and grab everything that matches this, lowercase it so that everything gets normalized to lowercase, and give me a distinct list of them. Uh, a few little rules around trimming off common junk and things like that. Not 100%, you never get 100% with a regex for an email. Anyone who's ever tried to write a regex for an email understands this. doesn't have to be 100%, because if it's 99%, and a little bit of junk goes into have I been pwned or some really odd people with strange email addresses who would probably have problems all the time anyway. Don't go into have I been pwned, that's okay. Now, this for the most part has been okay, but there's a few things that have made it a little bit difficult, and this is why I've decided to crowdsource it. So one is when the data gets extraordinarily large. Let's imagine it's 100 gigabytes worth of text files. How long does it take to enumerate through 100 gigabytes worth of text files and normalize and lowercase and not just dump it out, but also need a report. I need to know the spread of email addresses across files. And the reason why that's important is because if I get a dump and it's got like a 100 .sql statements in it, or .sql files, it's really useful for me to know where the email addresses are. You know, they're often gonna be in like users.sql, which is easy but they might be somewhere else. And the reason that's important is because I need to go and see what other personal data is attached to those addresses. So when I put this tweet out the other day, I said, would anyone be interested in contributing to a .NET open source, have a been pwned project that extracts email addresses from a collection of files? I'd like to crowdsource a better way to extract addresses, especially from the various file types we see ransomware crews dumping. Now, I'll come back to the last bit in a moment, but a lot of people are like, yeah, it's just a regex, or you just grep it. Or, or other overly trivialized views of what this needs to do. And I think at one point I got a bit impatient and I sort of said to someone something to the effect of, if it was that easy, I'm sure I would have worked it out somewhere over the course of the last decade. Now, mind you, I might be proven wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's not that easy. Now, the bit about ransomware crews and different file types. Again, nine times out of 10 text files, no problems occasionally there might be like a SQL server.back file. All right, we're going to have to restore that and query it out. More commonly, and particularly now with ransomware crews dumping files, there are things like PDFs. PDFs 
uh, sometimes Word documents. If we want to get obscure about it, what's a good obscure example? Uh, sometimes images with a bunch of email addresses in it. And I, I don't necessarily know that I want to go parsing those out, but certainly the more common document format are .xlsx files as well. I'd really like to be able to parse those out because I, I have a feeling that we're seeing a lot of this ransomware stuff get dumped and a lot of personal information, not just from people who maybe work for the organization, but who've had interactions with them as well. So a good example there is uh, like .email files or even uh, .psts or what's the file format for Exchange? I can't remember. And that might be one that you'd literally have to restore to an Exchange server and suck out. But anyway, point is a bunch of personal data getting sucked up there uh, into these breaches, which I don't think is being properly disclosed. So I asked for help to crowdsource a bunch of people like, yeah, cool. Uh, you know, I'd like to help. Now, the, the part of the problem is, is that someone's got to kind of get the ball rolling with this. And as enthusiastic as a lot of people were, when I don't have any idea who they are and they've got like five followers and nothing on their profile, I don't know that they're the right person to do this. So there were some really solid ones, though. Uh, and I have actually entrusted uh, an organization that offered to devote some dev cycles to this just to get us started. And there is already an open source repository out there. You can go and have a look at it. It's on the Have I Been Pwned uh, organization thing, GitHub. As soon as we get the ball rolling, we'll make that available to other people and hopefully get more contributions. Now, that was the fun bit. The other bit, <laughs> that was less, I was going to talk about this. Who cares? It's on the public timeline. Every now and then, I'm not sure if someone is deliberately trolling me or doesn't understand or is something else that I have many derogatory words for. And I won't name the person, but I'll read the tweets because it just, I just, like I sent this to Scott, I mean, it's not just me, mate, is it? Like there's something really, really weird about this. But someone was not happy. So in response to that tweet, this person says, nope. The users never consented to releasing their email address. Even if it's now public, it's not ethical, in my opinion. I'm going, hang on, I'm, I'm basically asking someone to help me write a fancy regex in order to help run Have I Been Pwned. You, you've still got to have the data before the fancy regex works. And I sent a link off to a blog post I've written about the ethics of running a data breach service. This person just didn't seem to get it. Have I been pwned doesn't expose a list of email addresses. The user has to enter the address. That's if you make the extraction open source, then it will make it much easier for people to extract the addresses and use them for evil. And again, I'm thinking like nine times out of ten, you've got a text file which you can open and read and see the addresses. And you can write a simple regex using ChatGPT in probably five minutes just to dump that data. And I'm like, I'm trying to explain it. I'm like, I have a tool that does this. We're basically just trying to more efficiently process data that has been leaked. <laughs> this is where it is. Because at some point, you just got to walk away. <laughs> Guy says, will your open source tool provide bad actors with an easy and convenient way of extracting email addresses, which they can then use for evil? And I thought about how to respond to this. And I revised the response several times. And eventually I said, 
You're literally asking if someone can do something evil with a regex. Yes, someone could do something evil with a regex. To which he said, okay, thanks for your replies, I'm definitely not interested then. And I appreciated him taking the time to let me know that he wasn't able to contribute to the project. And I only wish all of my 213,000 followers had also let me know that they were not able to contribute because it would have... <laughs> now, Fritz says, sounds like someone who does not know what it is you do. I think it sounds like someone who does not know many things, Fritz. Um, always just being intensely antagonistic because you're never sure, really, are you? You're never sure. Is, is someone, in general, which is this guy, is someone not aware of what you're talking about is trolling is stupid. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's one or more of those things together. Anyway, speaking of stupid, Grad Cafe, the Grad Cafe. Now, why is this stupid? So, I don't have a problem with the site. Let's talk about who the Grad Cafe is. I didn't know about them until someone emailed me all their data. Uh, search grad school admissions, a very American thing. Search up-to-date admission results to more than 120 graduate schools. With over 740,000 admission results submitted, the Grad Cafe helps millions of grad students each year with their admissions journey. Well, I know exactly how many it helps because <laughs> we have the data. Now, for the most part, this is just another, another normal data breach. It's... Uh, I think from memory, it was a couple of CSV files. And there are 300,000 plus, 310,000, I think, email addresses there. And it's email addresses, uh, bcrypt password hashes, good on you for bcrypt, names, geographic locations. Some of them actually had physical addresses as well. Gender, like it's, it's basically just data breach 101, all the usual stuff. Now, someone sent this to me, and I won't read exactly what they said because I don't want to necessarily throw them under the bus but they sent it to me and it was something to the effect of uh they've found this data it wasn't clear to me whether they were the person behind the breach or they found it from someone else uh, they've been in touch with grad cafe they're trying to they're having a lot of trouble disclosing something to the effect of having posted on their forum eventually because they couldn't get a response the vulnerability having been closed up sometime after that and the forum post deleted and not able to get a response from them so I emailed them, I filled out their contact us form and I sent that and it said, you will get a response within 24 hours, which never came. I tweeted them. I publicly asked for a security contact there. People joined some dots. No one reached out, no contact. So I've now emailed thousands of my subscribers and said, uh, you're in the data breach. So thousands of my, I'm just about to tick over my Lemetric actually reset because I, I rebooted the house today because it was one of the easiest ways to get all the Shelleys to pick up new reserved IP addresses, which I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, but there is somewhere in the order of 4.5 4 million subscribers to have a main pine now, which is really, really cool. So anyway, several thousand of them are in the breach and then of some four-digit number of those or, uh, or more or also monitoring domains. So lots of people have now been notified. Let's see if they ever disclose. It feels like I for fraud all over again, except that was 16 million people. So it's somewhat at a different scale. Uh. 
John says, I'm kind of against adding more regex to the world. I can see the point. You, you just want to solve it with ChatGPT, mate. Oh. We'll see what people come up with. I um, I would like to be pleasantly surprised. I am sure that people could write much more efficient code than what I wrote pretty much a decade ago and then maintained in order to extract this data out. So we'll see. We'll all see because it will be there in the public domain. Ah, my Lemetric can't connect. I wonder if it's because of my network. Is it because of the network change I made? Are we up to that? Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> I ran out of IP addresses. Bound to happen. I have connected many things in recent years. It all started when I was bored during COVID and I thought I'd connect my garage door. And next minute I've got hundreds of IP addresses and a whole bunch of Zigbee devices. So uh, what's happened is I got a little, little warning that popped up on my Apple Watch from Ubiquity. In fact, this happened around about the same time I updated the Unify OS, and I wonder if this was a new feature of Unify OS, because I started getting two warnings that have been coming for some time, <laughs> if I'm honest. One of them was about not having any more IP addresses. I'll tell you what it says. It says, uh, UDM Pro, no available IP addresses for new clients. You run out of IP addresses to lease to clients. And around about the same time, UDM Pro Server Switch. Server Switch, Server Rack Switch, which is the name of my, is a 20, yeah, it must be a 24 port switch in the Server Rack, has exceeded total PoE budget of 95 watts. This can cause device disconnects. Please offload devices to new switch or PoE injector. So, a quick recap for those of you that are not familiar with, with PoE. PoE is power over Ethernet. You can have a switch which can provide not just data, but also power. So for things like the Ubiquiti wireless access points and also the Ubiquiti cameras, you can plug them into network ports and then you don't need an ancillary power supply, which is cool because it means so long as you can run Ethernet to somewhere, you can plug it in. You don't have to have power as well. And even if you did have it right next to the power point, it's nice just to do two things with the one cable. I also have PoE hats on my Raspberry Pi. So one Raspberry Pi that does Home Assistant and another one that does the Pi Hole. PoE hats, I've got a nice little Raspberry Pi rack in the server rack, and it's literally just a cable down into the switch which supports PoE. But it has a maximum capacity. And even though I have not used every single PoE-enabled port on the switch, I think there's like one left, the devices in there are drawing enough power that I was running out. So there's a multi-part fix. Now, part of it, and I'll talk about some of this when we get to the garage and the kitchen work, uh, part of it is I literally have a PoE injector, which has uh, gone onto one of the devices. So that has offloaded the PoE from the Ethernet port to mains. Uh, and a PoE injector is just a little, little black box, probably a bit smaller than my phone just here. It has one cable that... Well, it's got one cable that goes into power supply, uh, so it gets plugged into mains. It's got one cable that goes to the device and then one cable that goes back to the switch. Uh, and that, that's about it. So it offloads the power drain. Now, Ubiquity, apparently in the mail, has another switch for me. Uh, Ubiquity still sending me things, full disclosure, which is meant to solve this. It's a bigger switch. I do have some more cameras and things to put up as part of the, the houseworks we're doing at the moment. So that'll solve that. Now, the IP address exhaustion, that was a kind of interesting one, and I knew that was coming. So I've had for a long time 
uh, a primary network, an IoT network, and a guest network. In fact, let me rephrase it. I've had SSIDs for those three things. There is one logical and physical network underneath all that. But you would connect to a different SSID. Now, the reason I use different SSIDs is I knew at some point in the future I would want to do more network segmentation. And it's very easy to then create a virtual network and make sure that every client that connects to one of those SSIDs always ends up on that network. I explained in my blog series on IoT, I uh, did a five-part series. One of them was on security. I said, look, the, the network isolation, putting all your IoT things on a VLAN is, is a great idea. And I had done that in the past, but it does also pose a bunch of problems when those networks are isolated, uh, particularly when you have multicast devices such as, uh, say, a Sonos I use a lot of, and the Sonos is on one network and then the device controlling it is on the other network. So at one time I rebuilt my whole Ubiquiti infrastructure and I kept the different SSIDs, but I moved away from the idea of having different VLANs that were isolated from each other. Now I knew eventually I'd run out of IP addresses, uh, <laughs> which obviously this message said I did. So today my job was, number one, I went through and created a new VLAN for the guest network, which I... I probably should have done beforehand, but whatever. So now it's done. My father-in-law is staying with us. So yoink, <laughs> you're under the guest network. Charlotte's like, will his internet experience still be as good? It's like, yes, it will be. He just can't mess with our... And it's not that he's going to mess with our stuff, but if he gets something on his device that messes with our stuff, it can't, not to the same extent anyway. So that goes on to a different subnet as well. Gives us some more IP headspace. And then the IoT stuff. So very, very sad. Like, honestly, this is like a few minutes job. So create a, a brand new network, um, assign that VLAN to the IoT SSID, and then everything very quickly just rolled over. And what, to be honest, has taken the most time is I have reserved IP addresses for each of the Shelleys. And the main reason is I like to put them all up the top of the IP block. So there's one range of Shelleys. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of script that does things like enumerates through every single one of them and checks settings or changes things, uh, forces firmware updates, things like that. And that's just easy when they're all in a row. So I probably took maybe 20 minutes just going through and updating each of those. As best I can tell, other than the Lemetric, which I just noticed is sitting there not able to connect to the internet, as best I can tell, everything else is actually working. And I've also learned there were one or two devices that were on the primary network and not the IoT network. So it is actually kind of nice now to be able to go, okay, bam, what's on the primary, what's on the IoT? So right at the moment, and I don't think your sunset scene is on at the moment, which then sends power to a bunch of IoT lights, which will then pick up IPs. But we're at uh, 164 clients, wireless clients, right now. And then there's 15 other access points and things. They all have an IP address. And then there's... Uh, there's other non-wireless clients such as this PC and a few other things. So anyway, that'll give me a bunch more headroom. At least for th I, I, I had a moment there. I was like, should I just put all the Shelleys on their own network? Should I create literally another SSID and then I can enumerate through all of the Shelleys using, literally using code, they've got open APIs for everything, go through update the SSID or, or the network details, put it on the new one, and then that shaves off like another 70 IP addresses. But I figure I can always do that in the future. 
John Gallo, wasn't IPv6 supposed to fix all this? Yep, so long as you've got devices that are IPv6 compatible and a bunch of the IoT stuff is, is probably not going to do that. So uh, it will help fix that. Uh, Ubiquity does have, what do they call it? It's basically like an IP address dynamic expansion uh, mechanism where they can just keep adding other subnets automatically so you don't have to do anything which I did originally have on automatically, and then I just had a few unexpected problems when some stuff started jumping onto other subnets. So that's something I could enable and expand further on. Null Division says, A, using IP range of 192.168. So I've broken it down into 192.168.1, which was the default network, and then all the guest has gone on .10, and all the IoT stuff has gone on .20. So Null Division says, would 10.0, X dot, X, dot, X dot work better. Um, I've got enough room <laughs> for the moment. I've got enough room and I can change it later on. This is the main thing. It's I'm, I'm always cautious if it's making long-term commitments that'll be hard to change later on, but this is not one of them. Igor says, from memory, UDM Pro is limited to three SSIDs. It's limited to four. And the reason I found out is I have four and I had actually started to create one for... Um, uh, the Shelleys. One of the ones I had was redundant. I had set it up with just a bare minimum of configuration and security to try and get my big ass fans. Remember, don't search for that on Twitter. You'll find other things. To try and get my big ass fans working. And uh, I no longer needed that. So I, I, I nuked that. But it, it was caveated a little bit. It was like maximum of four unless, and I can't remember what the unless was, but I figured I didn't need to worry about it now anyway. So we seem to be good. I, I do feel that particularly those two things together, a combination of the IP addresses that are available and exceeding the POE budget, explains a few things that have been a bit weird. Uh, in fact, what I really started noticing in recent days, like even just today when I was setting this up, my iPad just refused to connect to the Wi-Fi. And it, it just I think it just couldn't get an IP address. And I got the alert again on my phone. Uh, the PoE situation also explains why I seem to have a few camera dropouts every now and then. So that that may be the answer for that. Okay. Garage and kitchen. Now, this is completely non-infosec other than the IoT stuff that's going into both of them. I have been doing some updates on this and I have two... I've, I'm keeping long-running threads because it's good for me too. Look, I can go back and see how the whole thing's evolved. Most of this seems to have started with the kitchen, where the idea was it was about a 15-year-old kitchen, a bunch of the appliances and things needed replacing, suboptimal space, we cook a lot, we entertain a lot. It's, it's just a nice place to be. So we, uh, we have now made a decision. Someone made a comment earlier up there, saw I went with the black kitchen. We were like, we have a very, it wasn't completely white, it's like a little bit off-white, uh, and we we're trying to make a decision, like do we replace same color or do we go with like a black one we've gone with like a, a black uh wooden doors so they're not a laminate which can chip they're actually wood they could still you could bang it and you could knock it deep enough that it goes through the paint on the and you can touch it up but anyway it's black and then there's like a two-tone granite bench top as well which is going to look pretty epic appliances which will have iot <laughs> in them there's a value proposition for this like the dishwasher at the moment i've got an iot power monitoring switch on the dishwasher and this is like everything else in the kitchen is 15 16 17 years old but 
when that dishwasher no longer draws power, I can push a notification to the watch through the Sonos speakers and go, hey, the dishwasher just finished, which is great because I can turn around to the nearest kid and go, go and empty the dishwasher. So it's useful. We have the same thing natively in our Samsung uh, uh, washing machine. So it's like, hey, the washing just finished. All right, cool. Now we know we can go and make the kids <laughs> hang it up. So it'll be the same with the, the two dishwashers that are going in. We're, we're getting two. People suggested this in the thread that I started posting. I was like, why do you need two dishwashers? And they're like, well, it just means that whilst one's running, you can load the other one. Or if you have a bunch of people over, you can load them both. And as soon as I started to try this, honestly, as soon as you start thinking about how would my life be different if I had two dishwashers, it'll get you. So <laughs> there's two dishwashers. Uh, and then some ovens and things like that. So there'll be some IoT there. I do have, uh, in this design, you'll see that we've got these rendered designs uh, on the Twitters there. There's a, like a coffee nook. So coffee is a big part of our lives, always working from home and enjoying the coffee. So coffee nook, I want to get a Senesso ES1. Now, uh, I'm going to drop this into the into the chat here. I will find Senesso ES1. Now, I saw this. Ooh, you know what? I'm going to find the tweet where I spoke about this because it must be almost a year ago. And um, the uh, local coffee shop down here where we, they roast all their beans and things like that. Uh, but also, when I talk about this, in January, I was saying I'm going to get it, but I'd tweeted about it before. I don't know. It's out there somewhere. Local coffee shop guy who I bought my previous current machine from said, check this out. And it is, it is a proper espresso machine as we have at the moment, except not, what are we at now, eight years old or something. But it's got a TFT screen. And you can preload different, I don't know if programs is the right way to put it, or scripts for how hot the coffee should be and how the, what the pressure should be and how it should ramp it up and then level it out as it's pouring and then taper it. It looks super, super cool. And you can get them in different colors and things as well. So anyway, that'll go in there. That'll get connected. And I think it'll look pretty awesome. I feel this is like a, I, I think we've just finally signed off on everything now that we've decided on the colors and signs. So it feels like it's going to be like a June thing. So we're going to be waiting a little while. The garage, in many ways, is a lot closer. Now, tune out if you don't like hearing this. <laughs> because sometimes I talk about the things I'm going to talk about and people get pissed because they are unhappy at my happiness. That's the best I can figure. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the garage we decided to rebuild because we wanted more room because we knew we were going to buy another car. And, of course, now we've shared it. We bought a McLaren. So now we have the McLaren and the GTR to fit in the garage. And it started out pretty simply where we're like, oh, we'll just we'll move the bikes out and we'll get like a bike shed. And then all the cupboards and things in there are pretty shitty. So we'll get some new cupboards and things. And then I think it's mostly Charlotte's fault, but she's like, what if we just knock down this wall here and we make a great big window into it so every time you walk past it, it looks really awesome because the new car's in there and then we get nice lights on it and we turn it like a James Bond lair. So anyway, we're doing that. And I have shared this <laughs> on the Twitters as we've gone along. So we have been living in, it, it feels like a dusty hellscape for the last few weeks. My office is mostly mostly immune because I'm 
all the way up the top and the doors are usually shut, but everything downstairs is constantly covered in dust. Right on the tail end of that, all the plastering's done. I just put some photos up um, earlier on to today, yesterday. That's got to get sanded back on Monday. That's going to be an absolute bloody mess. I keep wiping down racks and UPSs and things like that, trying to keep everything clean. Uh, and then we're up to just the, the, the clean finishing stuff. So yeah, uh, painting, epoxying floor, there's some new garage doors going on. Uh, the cabinetry and things will come in. And it's, it's just looking ridiculously epic, like showhouse kind of epic. And this is what we really want. We just wanted something, you know, this is a place we intend to be for a very, very long time. We are always here unless we're traveling because we work from home. So... Yeah, it's looking absolutely freaking amazing. And uh, I think over the next few weeks, there'll be some really, really cool stuff to share. John says, Re Coffee, we got a, a cafe, cafelet robot a couple of years ago and completely stopped using our espresso machine. Uh, what's that? Let me Google that. Cafelet? Just cafe lat, just the way you said robot, cafe lat robot. Now, without saying it, you know, one of the things that I do like with an espresso machine, oh, I said, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> looks really cool. Google this, listeners. Uh, I do like the process of making uh, making espresso. We do make a lot of uh, milk-based uh, drinks as well, lattes and things like that. Uh, and I also feel that a, I'm going to drop this Sinesso into the... Uh, the chat here. I also feel that a really nice machine is a little bit of a a little bit of a kitchen showpiece. Um, so I'm I'm really hoping that this machine comes along and it's just going to be as epic as it looks. It's meant to be out. They said in the springtime. Now usually when people say in the springtime, they forget that there are two halves of the world, and they mean the top half of the world springtime and not the bottom half of the world springtime because that would be six months later for us. Uh, here you go, Sinesso ES1, dropping that one into the chat. So my hope is that that means somewhere over the next few months, which would time in perfectly with the kitchen, and then we just got to decide a colour and stuff like that. I really want to see some independent reviews too, because it looks super cool, but it's a high-end machine, it's pricey, and I want to know that it's going to be freaking epic, uh, and it's not just going to be gimmicky with the TFT screen. So we'll see. Okay, well, I think we're uh, I think we're about done. Um, thanks very much for joining. I know this was earliest. Some people are probably going to wake up and go. <laughs> I don't know how many people are like planning to tune in every week, but uh, apologies if it was a little bit uh, early for some people. It just timed in really well. It's still daylight outside in the autumn, <laughs> not the August, and I can go out and enjoy the sunset with uh, with my wife and father-in-law and enjoy a, another nice quiet beer. Thanks very much, folks. See you next week.